Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a comfortable, casual conversation between Canary colleagues considering the course of the season so far. I'm joined as ever by Lorne, Avon, John, Hello. and Canary legend Darren Kenton. Hello. We come at your ears as Norwich take on the mighty Wickham at Adams Park, and we will tonight look back over three straight wins, potentially four by the time we're finished, taking your questions, ask Darren a few things about the old days, and round off as always with your Long Come Norwich quiz. First up, Three wins on the bounce. What is there to moan about? Three wins on the bounce and three goals on the bounce. Tommy Tribal just scored the third. Heinz five dry fear. There isn't anything to moan about, Tom, but go on, I've been interested all day to see what it is after three wins on the road. Looks like a fourth tonight. What your beef is at the moment? Uh, I don't currently have any any complaints about the, um, the, the use of substitutions. I don't have any complaints about... Um, the changes of personnel. Uh, I was very, very worried about uh, Jordan Rhodes being dropped, uh, and then that's been proven to be a masterstroke. Um, really pleased that the overtraining that we were maybe worried about with some of the muscular injuries coming through hasn't been too bad, as in Louis come back really, really quickly, obviously playing tonight. Um, so at the moment, I've got literally nothing to complain about. The, the, the one thing that... Let's just go home. We've completed it. We've completed podcasting. Now, the, the, the only thing that you could potentially complain a little bit about um, w- would be the speed of the build up play. However, away from home and definitely in the QPR game, the, the commentators who obviously aren't watching Norwich all the time, but they had watched QPR earlier that, um, that week, um, which is, I think it was either a, a cup match or, or something else they were down there for. Um, or maybe a league game midweek, did comment on the fact that, oh, this is a very different start from, from last week because Norwich had completely taken the sting out of the game. Um, so you could argue, actually, that the slower build-up away from home and against teams who are coming full of vim and vigour and ready to take us on, um, yeah, you, you could argue that there's, there's absolutely nothing to moan about at the moment, which is, which is terrific, over the moon about that. Um, I was just going to say, Darren, thank you for joining us. Um, what would you say has been the... What would you say has been the biggest difference from that rocky period earlier in the season to this, this last kind of week? What, what's clicked? What's suddenly changed? I think people, you know, when we started the season, we actually were doing okay. A lot of the games we could have come out of a result. It's just that little bit of luck that we seem to have right now. I mean, the cr- I was at the game at the weekend and the cross has come in. It's obviously Pookie hit him in the chest and gone in. Those things didn't go for us early on in the season. Yeah. It, three or four games in... Who do we play? Birmingham should have beat them. Really, it, it was it was just a little bit unfortunate to not get the the results that our play actually merited. Maybe the West Brom game is the the perfect example of that. You know, the, the four three where you know penalty decisions, missed yeah. penalties from from Jordan, etc. Goalkeepers as well. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's obviously his, his first was it his first game, Tim Cruz game. The first home game, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah so I mean, it was a bit of pressure on him as well. So I think we're just a little bit unfortunate. You know, it could have gone either way. We could have been sitting top of the league by the time these these results had come around. So, I, don't, I think people sort of like got a little bit distracted, saying you know, we're we're going to be struggling just because we're looking at what Ipswich are doing. Just relax a little bit. I think. Yeah. Well, they're still doing always, as well. No, they're still <laughs> doing. Yeah. Um, so, I think one thing that we do have to to speak about immediately 
is uh, and maybe Darren, you know, you you're in and around it. Um, hopefully, you might shed some light on it. Um, where has last season's Marco Stiepelman gone, and who has replaced him? Who who is this? Is it some kind of body swap thing? Like, can we have a DNA test, John? <laughs> but he hasn't played in a ten position, has he? For City, he didn't play as a ten for City last season. Um, he was completely untried there in terms of the English game, um, and he looks like he's adjusted to the English game. He looks like. The thing that I really like about him is his physicality and he nicks the ball in pockets of space, in dangerous pockets of space off defenders and then we can quickly go again. So I think he's a unit and um, yeah, it's just a shame we didn't utilise him there. I think you're saying that ago. he hasn't played as a 10 is an interesting thing because actually I don't think he's been playing as a, as, well, as a 10. He kind of floats, doesn't he? Because he, he, he's, doing, he's doing bits that Housen was doing a couple of years ago. Um, he, is, he, is, he is assisting and getting out to the wings a lot, which is something that... Yeah. When Tribal does that, we then get a little bit um, open and, and, and naked in front of the back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's been an absolute revelation. Him and Buki, first and second round of the match, last two, three games. And yeah. he's willing to run at people, which I think we haven't had yeah. up until recently. Um, so, no, I've been really pleased. He's quick of mind. He's linked really well with Campwell in terms of just quick interchanges and then getting it out wide to you know, the pacey fullbacks. So, yeah, I think he's been brilliant. I think that's the interesting thing, like the fact that he hasn't played as a ten. He never looked like he was going to be a ten no. from last season. Like it didn't really, you couldn't really pigeonhole him as what what is it that you offer? Like maybe a left wing back because he was left footed and fairly fast and fairly strong. Yeah. But he didn't have any of the qualities that you'd think he's a ten. Why is he not playing? As he a didn't 10? have any of the qualities of a professional footballer. Like he, he looked <laughs> like he harsh. might be playing the wrong oh, spot. No, it's a bit hard. No, but if you if you compare, he's tall. Brilliant. But if you <laughs> if you compare, for example, some of the flashes that Franchet showed, if some of the um, stuff that we got from the other new new players like Tribal etc. last season, you, you can't you can't argue for anything other than he was the biggest one who seemed to be a complete misfit. Husband. What, where did uh, Stephen come from? What club? Bochum. Bochum. Yeah. Is that in the quiz? So, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's been in a quiz before. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, look at even Premier League teams. They, they a lot of players take a long time to adjust. They've come from playing German football. It's probably a little bit slower than what the championship is. So it's, it's going to take him a while to get used to the pace of the game. And you know, I, I was like I said, I was at the game of the weekend. I thought it was excellent. So you speak, speaking about the pace of the game, one of the things that um, you were speaking to us just before we uh, I managed to get the podcast recording equipment to work, uh, we all had to pedal a bit faster. Um, was you were saying that the, the the pace of the game is is one of the key things that you think has moved on since you hung up your boots a few years ago, and yeah. and, and obviously you're working with the, the youngsters. So if you can maybe just uh, tell our, our Nodgecasters what what is it that you who is it that you're currently working with? What age groups and and how are you kind of um, working with the club at the moment? Um, so I come in three years ago. Um, I was working with the under twelves. I've moved up now to the under-14s, but it's not like I'm actually set with one team. So you sort of work one week, I mean, last week after the under-10s, you still you push up with the under-18s, sometimes go over the 23s. So it's not like you ever stuck with one team, but on a Sunday, I'll take the under-14s. So what what is it that you're um, doing? Is it a, is it a coaching role? Um, is it that you're trying to roll out the philosophy from the sporting director? How how, how, how do you like planning sessions? So our, our philosophy comes, um, so it's basically the 23s down. So the first team are completely separate. So whatever the 23s do, we've got to try and get that to our under-10s. So all players sort of play exactly the same. So we'll try and create a number seven, number eight, number 10 that can go and do anything on the pitch. So it's not like we're, like I said, we're not set one team and we're not like um, the same as the first team. We're just a separate thing. 
trying to create players for them to eventually go into the first team. And how so, sorry, how, how many of you are there then in, in this kind of rotation? Because I know obviously uh, Laps, Drury, there's there's quite a few of yeah, the, the so, ex legends up there. Um, what ex what ex players? You mean? Well, no, I just mean in general. So like, I know there's a few of the ex players in there, but obviously there are other there are other. Um, Guys who aren't as, as well known because yeah, they haven't I mean, haven't played for Norwich, but so yeah, what what is the kind of army of coaches up there so now? So there's a full full time coaches like full time obviously twenty threes, eighteen, sixteen, fifteens, fourteens, thirteens, and then the part time for that. Cool. And is it a case that so we're talking about Marco Stephenman not looking like a ten and then suddenly playing like a ten? Is it a case that when these boys come into the academy? They're coming in as a, a three or a two, and then you get to look at them and think, actually, no, you're not a two, you're a, you're an eight. Or... Yeah, I mean, you you'll you'll have like we have a left back, you'll be a DNA position of either eleven or a three, so we'll rotate them round to be either players a left winger or, or a left back. Um, our centre backs will either play as a whole midfielder or centre back basically. Um, right back, same thing, right wing or right back. So is that how we're getting players like Godfrey who are happy to sit in and. Yeah. and, and a higher level players like Carl Walker, Trippier, who are basically wingers who just happen to stand next to centre back sometimes. I mean, I actually started out as a striker and ended up somehow playing centre back, but it does actually help you if you know what the striker is going to do in that position. So there's no point saying, right, you're number three, you're going to be doing that till you're in the, the first team. So, how far through your career was it when, because uh, Chris Sutton is another one who obviously started out. Um, did, did the reverse of that start yeah. out the back and worked his way forward? Like how how through, far through your career before someone went? You know what, mate? I actually think you're. Well, you realised I was useless. Though. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Um, your words. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's probably about under fourteens. So I, you know, I was in Peterborough. There's not that many good players. <laughs> I was saying I was a good player. But I was saying I grew up in Peterborough. So. You know, I was playing as a striker there, I played for Peterborough District and then that's where I got spotted for Norwich. Um, so when, when I started playing for Norwich, I was 12 years old. Uh, I started as like I said, a striker, then sort of pushed out to the right wing and then said, right, you know, you're quite quick, go to the right back and then from there just playing defence from the yeah, under-14s. So I remember that, I remember as a utility player, when you were when you were in the first team, playing quite a lot of centre-back after kind of initially being, being a right-back. Is that something that you think is it seems now that more of the young players that's something that you should just expect whereas whereas it, i don't seem to remember i don't know if the boys disagree but 10 15 years ago no you had a position back, was it you know a right back, back is a right back you know you try and play thomas helveg somewhere else and you know mind will crumble you know you, you've got that seems to be definitely the way that the academy's going i think certain players are made for certain positions i mean we've in my under-14s team, we've got a, a boy who can basically either play centre-back or centre-fielder, and that's it. He wouldn't ever see him as left-back because he's not as quick as most of our full-backs. So certain players can play in certain positions, but like I said, I, I, I started out, my, I think my debut, my debut was actually against Tranmere and we were two men sent off and he just said to go and run around. But like, um, my home debut was against Man City and I started out with right wing. Then Craig Benner got sent off after 10 minutes, ended up playing second midfield against Georgia King Cladzi. And it was like. He's <laughs> <laughs> decent, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Like, but um, I don't feel I actually yeah, got near him, but it was the experience. And then just through playing in those other positions, then you get to appreciate it and you just try and you get to read what other players are going to do. He's on a podcast somewhere, sort of several thousand miles east, saying, I know, I remember Darren Kent's debut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. um, cool. So, going back to the these three wins we've just had, um, I thought the QPR performance was amongst the most complete 
Norwich City performance that we've probably seen under Fark, um, more so I think than, than Borough, because I thought we, we sputtered a little bit at times against Borough, whereas the first half against QPR, um, it was just like, it was like Rolls-Royce stuff, it was like everyone knows their position, everyone knows how to move the ball, and they couldn't, they just could not find a way of stopping us overloading them when we just shifted our three middle guys right and left. And I, I think we're going to come on to it in a bit. Um, and I think there's a question about Onel Hernandez, but actually his injury has almost enforced us stylistically to change. So we're now very centrally driven. You've got and you've got Campwell kind of interchanging. Emmy Wendia likes to come in, kind of do his bits and bobs around the box. But then what that does is, because they're all quite narrow, you've got Jamal Lewis and you've got Max Ahrens who can just bomb and are quick and will offer that width. Um, yeah, like you say, I think we've probably looked the best that we have done all season really but that, this, it's, it's a similar thing as last last year though we we last year just before the good run which culminated in the going out in the league cup uh, to to arsenal um the the night of the champions yeah that was good we that we we cut that we found that team through circumstance and through injury and through people getting given an opportunity because of the players that had come in like your husband's not working out and players not being fit and being injured and I, th- I think that you you could choose to look at that in a half empty way, um, but I, I actually I actually think that that's two seasons in a row where Farker has shown, oh shit, Plan A hasn't actually worked out in terms of the players I was expecting to play in these positions. I've lost Hanley. No one would plan to lose to lose Grant Hanley because he's fantastic at this at this level, um, etc. And yet he has shown that he can go and get results out of teams. And I think maybe that is that does maybe point to a bit of a system. Well, I think, so I watched the QPR game uh, with my mate uh, who lives in the Midlands. He's a Newcastle fan, so he's followed Norwich not at all this season to the extent where when the teams come up, he went, how many of your players are German? Like, he literally had no idea who we were because we're the championship and he's not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the game went on, he said, you're so comfortable. You're so much better than QPR. And I didn't feel like that because being a Norwich fan, I expected yeah. Like you said, at the end we're going to see four we're gonna, goals. We're going to do a Norwich. Yeah. 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 At some point, we're going to concede a silly chance, and we're going to concede a goal, and we're going to go in one 0 down, even though we deserve to be well on top. But it was really interesting to watch it with someone who was seeing Norwich fresh, in that he he really felt like we completely bossed the game. There was no danger in it for us until that last couple of minutes where they threw the kitchen sink. And for should me, have, I should have had a pen. Well, that, yeah, that should have had a pen. Yeah. Pen. And that goes back to the fine margin that Dan was saying earlier. Like yeah. sometimes you get and sometimes you don't. And I think that was. That was really reassuring, I guess, for me as a Norwich fan, was that people who haven't seen us before, in seeing us for the first time, thought, actually, you look like a good side. What would you say the is the, the mood of the club as a whole? Does the positivity of three wins and things seeming to turn a corner, does that filter down to the under-10s? Like how, how much has that felt throughout the whole kind of coaching pyramid? Um, I think if, if you look at it from our point of view, obviously from the academy, what we're looking at is we've got X amount of players that come through the system in the first team. So the, the mood around the academy is brilliant. First team, get two, three wins. You know, the championship's that tight that if you get two, three, four wins on the, on the bounce, then it's like, you know, you're back in the playoff position. Yeah. So it's, it's easy to for the mood to change. But then, you know, like I said, if you get two or three losses, then you're like, oh, no, you're looking over your shoulder and thinking, where's, where's Ipswich sort of thing. We, there's... The wins, obviously, you know, it gives everyone a lift, but we're, like I said, we're sort of separate, so we don't have that sort of, you know, feel about it. Like, but, you know, obviously, as a Norwich fan myself, you look at the games and think, okay, we've got an actual chance of 
pushing up the league and getting into the playoff positions. So from a, from a fan point of view, putting aside your coaching prowess, um, of the uh, kind of new guards, so from last summer, like the Weber and Farker here onwards, which, which which from a fan's point of view is the player that I that, that excites you most or you like watching the most? Well, now Madison's gone. <laughs> yeah, well, no, because, he, well, no, because I don't count him as part of Weber and Farker. He was right. at the club. Yeah. Despite was, Farker he, being the one who gave him the chance and then yeah. bringing him on, but he was, yeah, he, yeah. He, he doesn't boys. count that. No, he Dumbest was, boys. No, he was at the he was at the club beforehand. So I also mean not Jam, not you know, the, the, not, not including the academy prospects that have been there for six, seven years, and you may well have seen a little bit of anyway. I mean, of what the people that Farker and Weber have brought into the team from not being anywhere near the team. Um. I, I obviously, as a defender, I always look at, you know, you, you have a side of defence, makes things easier, then you can nick, nick a goal and get a whip. Grant Hanley, I think, has been a massive, massive input on the team. And like, what he's done, which is actually quite annoys me because they sing, you never beat the Hanley, so. <laughs> Sorry about that. They should have put that song to bed. Like, should have retired. Train Adam Jury had it. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> but uh, no, I think Grant Hanley's been brilliant for, since he's since he's come in. Uh, something on the young lads. That kind of leadership. How it, does that ever show as early as the fourteens, fifteens? Like so, someone who is quite clearly able to pick up the game by the scruff of the neck and rally the troops around. Them. I think you'd be surprised. I mean, it would be good for people to come actually watch our games. Like there, there's certain players there that have got the leadership qualities that you think, okay, he's got a chance to make it to the first team. Um, there's there's things you can tweak. Obviously, the, the passing might not be great, or or for their position on the field. But if you've got someone who's a natural lead like that, you cannot teach. And if they've got it at that age, it's, it'd be brilliant to, for them to carry it on. Obviously, we tweak their their abilities, then they can make it to our first team. Moving back to um, the, the games coming up, um, we're we're in the middle of a thick and fast. Um, running games. It's half time now. Adams Park. We're still two, three, one up. Is that right? Um, yeah. We we've got we've got a couple of winnable games. Do, do we worry at all that that the injuries eventually might might catch up with us a bit? How 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 long is it till we get O'Neill? Do we call it winnable though in terms of Wigan? Because I mean they're on fire at the moment. Yeah. Are they? They, Fourth or fifth. Yeah, but we are Wiganable. Yeah, the winnable. Win- I think, way, of course, win- it's winnable. Any game in the championship is winnable. It is. I, I think the I think we've we've shown that with the with the Middlesbrough victory. Um, and I think if we if we can truly stick to stick to our game plan, that the issue is of course when you when you fall behind. It's long been long been very very clear that Farkas football is suited to nil nil one nil up. Like the, that, it, the system works really well when you're in control of the game and the other team is yeah. getting frustrated. And going back to that, going back to why and some of us got so carried away last season with that long run. The, the, the very, very point that some of us got excited about was precisely that. It was we were such a nightmare to play against, and I couldn't remember the last time Norwich as a team were that much of a nightmare to because you couldn't get the ball off us because we just passed you to death. Yeah. And, and that is great when you're winning, but when you're one and down, two and down. So that, that I think that's to completely kind of turn turn face and become a more of an advocate for Fark, that's what you need to see. You need to see us be 2-0 down, be t- you know, go 1-0 up and then, then concede 2. Then what happens? What's the strength is that, of the team? Is that what the fans want, though, the possession-based football? Uh, I personally would rather have every game like West Brom 4-3. You know, that I've, because I've, um, because of the the, 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 the the highs that we've had recently, we've had some promotions, we've had Wembley, we've had those things. I want to be entertained and 
against QPR away from home, potentially tricky opponent, potentially tricky because they they they, they were side banging form as well when we met them. Actually, yeah, I was really happy with with the performance in in general because we that performance was perfect to nullify them. It's what about Borough though? Because I mean, I only caught bits and bobs of that because I was away for the weekend. But it actually looked like the football we were playing was really purposeful. We were getting in behind them. We had Hernandez then, who you know was was able to kind of offer us a bit more of an outlet and a bit more pace. Were you not entertained from that game? Because what I saw, it, I thought we looked good. all right. Were you not entertained? No, yeah. <laughs> no so, some of it, some of it was all right. It was, it was, it was a less. I think it was a less complete performance than QPR. I think the highs were a little bit higher than QPR, mm. um, but they they were a better team. They're better organised. I mean, some QPRs, QPRs inability to get the ball on us. I think was just as much to do with the fact that, that was an off day for them. Like they were really, their pressing was all over the place. Two people would go and no one else would go with them. It was so easy for us to. Just move the ball from right to left, and they changed up tactically for us as well. Apparently, which just they come off what four wins in yeah. five games or something daft, and they changed the tactics to play Norwich, which is just a bit bizarre. The interesting thing for me on Saturday against Wigan will be this is the first game since the Middlesbrough game, um, well since before the Middlesbrough game that people will be going to expecting us to win. Like Middlesbrough, because they were top, we were maybe hoping for a point. Two away games in a row, you maybe hope for a point from both of them. This is going to be the first one where the expectation is higher. And I think that will be interesting then if we don't take the lead quite early or if we do fall behind, is how the fans react rather than... That's, that's always going to be the danger. I mean, if you obviously go back to when I played, we were terrible. Like, <laughs> 2000, we, we was about it. Fans' expectations are so low, they actually sung all the time and it actually helped us to, to perform in the field. Once you get to the playoff final, people will think, OK, now we should be going on to the next level and trying to raise things didn't happen the next season obviously we go win a league drop down expectations are always going to be high okay we're going to get we're going to win promotion it's always going to be how difficult was that season after the playoff season because obviously we got to the playoff final then the next season I think we finished 8th or ninth. yeah I mean the the problem with that is I think we started off really well um, but we didn't invest in the team in and around January and we had a few injuries I think that's that's where we fell off like I think if you look at the table up to Christmas, I think we was there or thereabouts. Um, the squad is quite small, so you know, look what happened the season after. You're going to get Peter Crouch and Darren Hookby, and, and then the you know Premier League quality players. That's that's that would have been a difference if we'd have had those prob- those two probably a season before. I reckon we'd have we'd have been there. So is there because people always talk about there being like a playoff hangover that next season of being like oh we were so close and you sort of saw it. A bit with Reading a couple of seasons ago, they slumped. Sheffield Wednesday obviously slumped. Do you feel that going back to training like it, July yeah. time? Because it's such um, a long journey to get yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, your whole season comes down to one game, and then you lose on penalties. So like, oh god, how are we going to praise praise the thing? But we started off really well. Um, I think we we drew with Leicester nil nil at home, and that was like the top top of the table clash sort of thing. Leicester went on because they had probably a bigger squad. Um, it it did hurt, but you just get over it. Like as soon as pre-season starts, I say it's done. Put it to bed. Going to try and win the next however many games. See see if we can get ourselves to the top of the league. Plenty of questions come in from you boys and girls. Um, would you like to kick us off with one from Facebook, Lorne? Oh, I was going to actually kick us off with the Mick Saunders one on Twitter. Okay. Because I like it a lot. So it's why or why, Darren? Did you go to Southampton? I keep asking myself that question. Um, when I, Nigel Worthington, 
um, he took a lot of credit for what Steve uh, Steve Foley did. He wasn't that good. Like, and I'm not I'm not just digging him out because that was my final year, but I, he wasn't that good. Um, he promised me a new deal after the playoff final. Brilliant. Turned down a few clubs over over the summer. I didn't want to leave. Um, the the first offer didn't come until like October November time. So I'm like thinking, why is, why is it taking so long? Um, what what he he started doing a lot of things where he went to the press about things that were completely untrue. When I went to the press to, to clear things up, he's having a go at me for going to the press. I'm like, well, you just done exactly the same thing. So we had a little bit of falling out. We just you know, I think he went to the papers on after the Grimsby game. Um, said that I was faking an injury and that was probably like the final straw it's like you know what I'd never do that sort of thing so I said right that's it I'm just, just going to hold out and see what happens and it wasn't I would, it wasn't planned I could, I could have gone in the summer but I wanted to stay with Norwich and sign a new deal but things happened with Nigel Webb and that, that's why the reason why I left So what was the what was it like after spending so long you know, one club and also the club that you you know you're really fond of. Yeah. What was it like pulling on a different strip? And was the motivation any different? It's strange. I mean, obviously, I played for Norwich since I was 12 years old. Um, moving to Southampton is like, well, first time playing Premier League football. That at the time they just got to the FA Cup final. They played in Europe. It was like there's a lot of pressure on on you straight away. Uh, they said you know Jason Dodd was getting on a bit, just say. Um, so I was meant to be sort of taking over his position and unfortunately things didn't work out when I, when I first went there I tore my calf um, within like three days of uh, pre-season starting I was in for two months and then when I come back I tore my quad and it was like you know five months of the season down the drain it was hard to get over um, obviously I still had the injury I still get the pain in my quad now oh, so um, it, it come back again the next season so then we had this sort of uh, pantomime season where um, Clive Woodward's our director of football and he didn't actually know what the offside rule was. Um, and he's, it's funny, like he's sat there in the office, well, in, in, sorry, in meetings, trying to talk to us and we're like, what's this clown doing in this meeting? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange season that year. We, if we'd won our last last game, I think we'd have finished eighth. We lost to Charlton 2-1. Next season, you go and get relegated. So it can't, it's not a coincidence that all the stuff that was around in the club we had like three managers before Christmas those things sort of affect the players mm. good question Mick what well on mate back now can we go to Facebook for a question now we can go to Facebook so we'll go to Carl Pretterman we sort of touched this on this a little bit but when Hanley returns from injury will he walk straight back into the team it depends on when it's going to be and what the results are in between yeah. if, if he was fit for Saturday I don't think he can. Yeah. I don't think that's fair on Zimba. You can't change a winning team. Um, especially in defence, which is not to say, like in midfield and up front, you can maybe make a slight argument for it. Not if you just scored a hat trick. I think Hernandez it might be different. That's what I mean. Up, yeah. up, midfield and up front, you can say, no, he's such a dynamic player, etc., yeah. etc. Et but with I think with a centre back pairing, that's the one place, maybe that and goalkeeper, you really want. I mean, look at the Arsenal teams through the 90s, like back five, <laughs> the same for like 10 years in a row or whatever. That you really do want to keep them them settled, but but that's just testament to how well Zimbo is is, is fit in there. Um, 
I, I, for me, it goes it goes Handy Zimbo uh, closer for for my the, the in order of who I think's played best this season. I think there's um, there's an interesting point made on TNC podcast. And I think it was Connor that made it, and he was saying that Godfrey and Closer seem to be like for like in terms of being technical footballers and able to play out from the back a bit better. And so if Closer gets injured, then they're probably looking at Godfrey coming in to replace him. Whereas Zimmerman and Hanley are a bit more right. We're going to get ahead on the ball. You shall not pass, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I think they're looking at combinations. Well, so. I think that's a really good point, actually, that yeah. Connor's made because at the Ipswich game, when it was closer who went off, it was Godfrey who came on, yeah. not Zimmerman. And I Which think we were surprised a, at at the time, weren't yeah, we? And I think that's a fair point because my natural inclination, like you, would be if Hanley was going to come back, it would be closer rather than Zimmerman who I'd leave out. But I think that's a, a really solid I think point. It is. In the way Although, play. I think Zimmerman is really good technically in terms of playing out from the back as well. Sometimes He's really he has a. He has a clangor in him. Yeah, Krull's, yeah. Krull's preference is uh, to play out to Zimmerman from, from place kicks though, isn't it? Like we, we want is that because he's left-footed and he wants to go that way? Don't know. Um, quite possibly. But uh, well, I'll tell you one, one thing that does remind me of, that the Norwich have, in the last <clears throat> year and a half, fallen foul several times of the you're not allowed to touch it until the ball's come out of the penalty box from goal kick. <laughs> fallen foul of or deliberately done because it's a yeah. loophole but, that got but it's just such a men- But it's such a mental loophole. Like In this day and age, they've not, they, there is, it's such a odd, odd thing because you seem to be able to just do it as many times as you want. Yeah. And and there's they, they really need to fix that because if you if you're one then up you could just keep doing it. Yeah. Like there needs to be some kind of rule that after three times you give an indirect free kick in the box or something. Do you think that comes from Farker? Do you think that's a thing that someone in the coaching staff has noticed and said, look, we're going to play it from the back. If we give it to you and you'll get closed down immediately, just step in. Yeah. Take you'll it. get away from it because yeah. that seems to have happened this season or this season and last season. Yeah. Similar with. And I can't remember it happening for years before, yeah. other than at Sunday League level. And now, it happens, like, now it happens once a game, yeah. doesn't it, at least. Yeah. And I think there's a similar thing with coming out at half-time a little bit later than the opposition. I think there seems to be some sort of deliberate ploy that Farker's installing, which is Definitely away all from of these home little bits, all of yeah. these little things. Shit that yeah. But to go back to Carl Bretman's question, um, so if, if we say that Hanley uh, possibly wouldn't walk straight back in, but O'Neill would... Who would O'Neill come in well, that's, for? We've also had a question on Twitter, though, so it's from James Purdy, who says, how do you think we can fit Hernandez back into the team? With Campwell and Buendia cutting in, we now dominate the middle and give space to our full-backs to attack, which is kind of what we were talking about. Well, However, he, pulled, he pulled Demi on Saturday, didn't he? And Demi yeah. wasn't happy about it. That's the second time he's walked off shaking his head in the last two games. But I think that's fitness, isn't it, with Buendia? He doesn't look sharp. I think with um, Todd Campbell, though, you, you can't push a youngster that, that much that, that young. Um, it's good for him to dip in and dip out. Mm. So he's done well for the last couple of games. If if Fernandez is fit, okay, he's done well. Let him finish on a high, yeah. then put Hernandez back in. Then you know, keep him in and around the first team. I wouldn't ever try. Not, you know, I think Max and and Jamal are sort of a little bit different. They've done really well mm. keeping him in the team because you don't want to t- change your defence that much. But like you said, with your forward players, a little bit different. Give um, Todd a few games and then and drop him out and put Hernandez back in. It's incredible, really, that we were talking last season about how lucky we've been to have Jam, you know, ready-made left back, fantastic prospect, walk into the first team and look like he's, you know, playing like a 32-year-old in terms of his, his awareness and his positioning. And I was sat on thinking the same on Saturday. On Saturday that the very next season, along comes a right back. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> how much confidence just, has he got? Oh, he's superb, it's and, it, and it's the it's the for for both of them the thing that impressed I mean, Jam is obviously more of an athlete and a bit bigger than the Max, but 
Aaron's has got such awareness. His positioning, like of where to just like roll a shoulder, and he's like these these. You know these bigger boys. You know these late twenties. You know seasoned championship footballers aren't getting a sniff off him because he just seems to have this kind of wiseness. Around I'd him. go as far as to say that I think Max Aaron's has impressed me more in his opening few games than Jamal did yeah, last yeah, season. I'd agree he's, he's so good, and he seems to give us another option. So he's picked it up so many times, edge of the box, and just taking it 30, 40 yards up the pitch, and then suddenly we don't have to play through the thirds. Yeah. We've got another way of directly just going through. I think through. Like, going back to what you said there, like. It's, things are a lot different now. Like we, we play reserve team football when you're playing against men, so you get, sort of get used to it. the fact that like uh, Max has just come straight into the team from playing under 18s into first team football against seasoned pros is, is even more impressive. I was uh, having a chat with Ian at CSF, um, Ian Thornton, um, community sports foundation guy, um, and he was saying that they are particularly um, delighted with Max Aaron's because it's only about six weeks since he did his work experience at the CSF. <laughs> he was in like acting like the schoolboy, being a schoolboy, doing the things he has to do as part of his education, and then a few weeks later, all of a sudden, he's our first choice right back. And he played a, a hugely important role in uh, Pukki's goal against Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. it was his like the. Uh, presence of mind to pick out the pass rather than get there. And I don't think, think oh, I'm ready to say that I'm in the area than Jam yet, though. I think in terms of the first few games, because I was just blown away by Jam. Like, I, I remember saying last season, I can't remember a young young player um, in recent memory just stepping in and just it is. It's just that. I mean, it's, it's obviously brilliant coaching at the academy. Just to just be aware and just not get caught out. Because I remember it with Jam. It was in the home derby last season, like right in the corner, in, so in front of all the scum fans, um, with all that noise and abuse and, and their one half-decent right-winger player, like herring down on him and him having the presence of mind not to turn back inside and, and cause problems for the keeper, but like to do a little step over, turn over, wait, 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 and then play it off his legs for the throw. Just thought the presence of mind and the calmness to do that in that kind of atmosphere is just way beyond his years. And contrast that with Cantwell, who kind of didn't do that against QPR, did he? He had one that he shanked, and it was like, oh shit, they're in again here. Yeah, right, yeah. right at the end. Yeah. But, it didn't, but it didn't go wrong. So that's interesting. Speaking of digging people out, Farker brought up a um, mistake that Aaron's made in, I think it was after the Borough game, that didn't come to anything, and he said, you know, young players are going to make mistakes. What's, what's your feeling on... on that obviously you mentioned Worthington going in the press with some things that weren't necessarily the truest. How do you feel managers in nowadays need to manage how much they're kind of digging players out on social media well, and to the press? If it's, if it's done the right way, then there's, there's no problems. I don't think if like what um, Mourinho is doing with like, players like Luke Shaw, I think that's taking it to the extreme. Trying to get the, the, the mix between the two, it, it's not a bad thing. Players sometimes learn quicker from the mistakes they've made rather than you know constantly giving them praise because then they're never going to know, oh, okay, I'm doing great. So if they do make a mistake, no one's going to highlight it. I think, that, like I said, you, you need to have someone highlight the mistakes, then they're going to eliminate that part of their game and then they're, they're going to obviously get better. Okay, uh, the final one from Facebook this week is Liz Howlett. Uh, so this one's for you, Darren. In your opinion, would a singing section make a difference to the players' team performance if we had one at Carroll Road? Absolutely. I mean, obviously going on experience, when the snake pit was rocking, it was <laughs> teams. It was intimidating for teams. So that did raise the level of performance of the players on the pitch. I mean, we we were, like I said, we when in when I first got in the team, we wasn't the greatest of teams. 
the fact that the fans didn't stop singing did actually give you the lift and then you know look what happened we get we go from a team that's finished seventh bottom or something getting to the playoff final next year so that added section that extra extra man like did actually raise the standard of the players would that make a difference like in halves as well so when you were playing right back at the time obviously there'd be periods of the game where you were right next to the snake pit would that lift you for that half and then when you go the other side and you're playing in front of the river end it's a bit more yeah. <laughs> like an inverse snoddy thing. yeah <laughs> um, I mean you, I obviously keep thinking about thinking back to the, the games I played and we had a game with Man City and it was one year work with about five minutes ago and I'd done something I can't remember what it was but I made a tackle or something just the fans there like singing your name you think you know it just gives you that yeah. extra boost even though you're, you're knackered it's baking hot if you, you just wanted the game to end then you think okay you know it gives you that little bit extra to go for the, for the last like five or ten minutes so it does make a difference when you're on the far side you go, God, I can't hear anyone down here <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean yeah I mean, it, it does make a difference massive difference can I ask the jokey questions as well of course you can because I think they're funny and I hope you don't mind us asking this did you get the girl in your dear Deirdre appearance? <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. That's okay. how you got in the Hall of Fame, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, That's the picture they used. <laughs> it's funny, like, because it's my my girlfriend at the time. She said, you know, because I was sat there. This is this, I just broke my leg. Didn't know what to do. I just had a still had a little bit of a six pack at the time, so it's gone now. But like. Um, she said, why don't you do a bit of fitness modelling? So I was like, okay, give it a go. And my first job was uh, a dear Deirdre. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's obviously trying to build up my portfolio and stuff. So, you know, I'm lying and on how did bed. that go? <laughs> it was quite brilliant because I was lying on the bed as a half-naked girl. And then uh, I didn't think anyone would see it. T- completely forgot about it. And then like two months later, I got a message because I had a Blackberry at the time. Someone like sent me a message, what the hell is this? So I was like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> um, Can you imagine nowadays, though? It'd be all over oh, Twitter. Well, yeah. it, it was like, if I had probably had about 100 contacts my BlackBerry uh, BBM thing. About 99 of them had that picture of me. I was like, oh, God, I don't need this. I had the same thing. Whenever my modelling shots come out, it's awful for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I feel that I was paying. I don't, don't remember seeing it. I saw a picture of you in a poncho the other day, mate. Yeah, it looked good. That's, yeah. a, that's very niche porn. Poncho, no. Lorny in a poncho. Poncho had a bobble hat. It's now 4 1, Jordan Hattrick. Oh, oh fantastic. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's put you on the spot, Mr. Kenton. Uh, does Rhodes, do, does he change the system to add Rhodes up front? He's just scored three at Adams Park. Um, he's going to be at the manager's door in the morning, surely, yeah, saying, come I mean, on, man. You say it's not great to change a winning team. You, you, you generally go with your league team, so it'd be difficult to them to change that. So, but you know, scoring a hat trick, I think he's got to be there or thereabouts. Does that happen? Do players go to the manager's door and knock on the door and be like, "Wow!" Because you do hear that. That's the phrase that's often used. Well, I've been mean, knocking on his door. The manager would much rather have someone knocking on the door than that person who's sat there picking up his money, saying, "You know, I'm not too bothered about playing or not." So. I, I used to hate not playing, so if I was doing well, if I, if I had to play in the reserves, but if I was doing well for five, six, seven games, then you go, okay, fixed about time, I should be there or thereabouts for the first team. So you would go and literally, you'd go and not play. What have I got to do to get back in the two? Excellent. See, I always assumed that was just a phrase and that was bollocks, but no, I mean, people actually 
Uh, I remember going to Gordon Strachan, like this is when I'd just come back from my second injury and I was doing quite well in the reserves. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? He said, well, can't change the winning team, son. You have to wait. And then I think my first game was against Arsenal. <laughs> so, like, Can't wish for Yeah, back to the fight, it was like, okay. I think it's Thierry Henry. What do I do here now? <laughs> uh, so, is he the biggest character that you played under, Strachan? Yeah, he didn't have red hair for no reason. Like, he, he was a bit like lively. Yeah. He, I think that would be... He's, he's one of those kind of football personalities that I would love to... Like, you know, there's end-of-season dinners. I wouldn't mind overhearing some of his banter. Not not necessarily be in the firing line of it. Yeah, I mean, I've had some... Obviously, Harry Redknapp was a bit... Uh, he's got his two faces, let's just put it that way. He's got his public one, and he's one that he's a ruthless, ruthless guy. Like, really? So, if you're not in his plans, he could... Well, he, he loves transfer window the, the deadline day, doesn't he? So, yeah. that, like, if you're not in his plans, that he can hang out of a Range Rover yeah. window and <laughs> tell the press that you're off. Who is your favourite to play under? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've had, had quite a few. Dennis Wise was good. He oh, took, really? Yeah, he took over at Southampton and then he signed me to Leeds, but then obviously he up and went as part I of the London Mafia. So yeah. he was doing oh, yeah, yeah. Um but Steve Foley, like I said, he's, he's, he's the reason behind why Norwich did well in the early 2000s, I'd say. So did he do a lot of the man management stuff as well as the coaching? Yeah. Or was it the shape and stuff? Obviously, Workman was the face, of the face of it all, but Steve, you know, he'd gone from Brian Hampton, who's probably one of the worst coaches you ever <laughs> like his sessions were just terrible. You had like grown men doing Simon Says as a warm up. It's like, oh, no, man. that's not real. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't Simon so you'd say like do this so you have to put your arms out and if you say do that and if you put these arms up it's like come on we're, we're all stood around looking at you and Robert he's saying like what the hell is this um, he'd gone from him to Nigel Workman taking the training sessions like this is great this is this is just terrible um, then Steve finally gets promoted from a reserve manager first team coach standard as the training goes up the results go up I think it's time to move on to the Come Norwich quiz. Uh, the time no one looks forward to. Uh, it is I'm looking for one at least. 4-2. It is now 4-2. So that's the comeback time. Obviously, you've got to be careful. Uh, I'm going to uh, nick a stat off Gorham. Um, that uh, since 2007, when Lambert took Wickham Wanderers to the League Cup semi-final, they haven't won a single League Cup game since that wasn't on penalties. No. Anyway, moving on. That would have been perfect to Longcombe yeah. Norwich. Uh, this is uh, the Longcombe Norwich quiz. Darren, you have got one minute to answer six questions. Your time starts now. Who went up as champions the season your Norwich side lost in the Cardiff playoff final? Uh, Man City. Correct. Name a Norwegian to have a Premier League winner's medal. Oli Gunnar Correct. Name an Ivory Coast player who has scored or got an assist this in the Prem this season. Pass. Uh, who was the substitute goalkeeper behind Robert Green during your time at Carl Road? Paul Crichton. Correct. Name one of the clubs making their Champions League debut this season. Pass. Uh, who was the other Welshman alongside Ewan in that squad that made the playoffs? Chris Llewellyn. Correct. Um, we go back to name an Ivory Coast player who has scored or got an assist in the Premier this season. No, 
Name one of the clubs making their Champions League debut. Done well. Four out of six is very strong. It's not bad. I hardly knew any of them. Paul Crichton, I think I'd have got. That's about it. I went on a Paul Crichton goalkeeper course once. Did you? And he said, don't worry, goalkeepers don't run. That was the first thing he said to the assembled chubbies that were there for the course. So the ones you didn't get, so Man City, obviously, you got, went up with 99 points. Uh, you could have also had Henningberg and Ronnie Johnson for the Norwegians. Uh, the Ivory Coast players, boys, who have managed yeah. to score or get an assist. Oh, yeah. Wilfred Zahar is the easy one. Oh, oh, yes. John Michael Seri from Fulham, Suleiman Bamba from Cardiff City, and Serge Aurier from Tottenham. Of Hotspur. course. Uh, the uh, club is making their Champions League debut this season. I stuck with all the downs. They were... Hoffenheim, Young Boys, and Red Star Belgrade. Oh, Amazing, Red Star Belgrade. I thought they played really. Really? I guess they've done European Cup, but not Champions League. I thought Young Boys had played already. Well, there you go. Uh, and obviously, it's not got like you to be wrong. Really well I know it's not like um, the internet to be wrong. Um, so four to beat. That is a very, very tall yeah. order. And I've seen the questions. It's a, I think you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> John, your time begins now. Who scored the extra time equaliser for Birmingham in the Cardiff playoff final? Horsefield. Correct. Name a club that have lost both the League Cup finals they've been in. Sheffield Wednesday. Incorrect. Name a club that Lionel Messi has scored a Champions League hat-trick against. Pass. Name a German that has a Premier League winner's medal. Uh, Michael Ballack. Correct. Who did David Nielsen arrive on loan from? Wimbledon. Correct. Name the Dane in Darren's playoff squad. Nidegaard. Correct. Uh, you need to name a club that have lost both the League Cup finals they've been in. Ooh, bollocks. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Not having that. Um, pass. Uh, you then need to uh, name a jerk. Oh no, I've got that one. Name a club that Messi has scored a Champions League hat trick against. Arsenal. Arsenal is correct. Uh, name a club oh. that have lost both League Cup finals they've been in. Definitely. No. Oh, you said that oh. really? No. Oh, Five out of six. Oh, six. Oh, six. The best you've ever done. This is awful. Um, Finishing bottom of the league. So, no, four's no, four's a really <laughs> score. Genuinely, two normally wins it. So, the, the teams that have lost both League Cup finals West Ham, 66 and 81. Everton, 77 and 84. Bolton, 95 and 2004. Sunderland, 1985 2014. And Southampton. 1979 and 2017. Oh, Messi got a hat-trick against PSV last week. He, he did. Manchester City, Celtic, Apoel, Ajax, Bayer Leverkusen, and obviously the one that was on the tip of everyone's tongue, Victoria Plzen. Of course. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so, Lorne, you need five to get the tiebreaker. <laughs> he might get it. Six he might one. get it. Easy. Your time, Lorne, begins. Now, who crossed the ball that you and tapped home in the play- playoff final in Cardiff? Uh, Clint Easton. Incorrect. Name a player to have appeared at the World Cup finals whilst playing for Wimbledon. Uh, these are silly questions. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Name one of the clubs that have appeared in three or more European Cup or Champions League finals and lost them all. Dortmund. Incorrect. Name a Dutchman that has a Premier League goal or assist this season in a Premier League. Um, pass. Uh, name the Swiss player in Darren's playoff squad. What? A Swiss player. Yeah, I know that. Pass. Uh, who did we sign Zima Abbey from? Cambridge. Correct. Who crossed the ball that you and tapped home in the Cardiff playoff final? You've got Not to that. Correct. Uh, player to have appeared at the World Cup finals whilst playing for Wimbledon. Um, obvious Wimbledon players. Just obvious Leonardson. 
No, not one. <laughs> Name one of the clubs that have appeared in three or more European Cup or Champions League finals and lost them all. Uh, Arsenal? No. Uh, name a Dutch winner. Time. What a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your Swiss colleague? Gialanza, surely. Yes. 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 Oh, oh, Gialanza. I saw him the other day as well. Yeah, he's, 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 he's an agent now. So oh, he's got yeah. he won the first. Yeah, Swiss players. money. Yeah. Oh. Is he? Um, so you could have had for the Wimbledon one Neil Sullivan, Marcus Gale, Robbie Earle, Kenny Cunningham, and David Connolly. And you laugh at Ovin Leonardson. No, Robbie Earle, I got play for Jamaica. Didn't he? Um, the clubs that have uh, been in multiple Champions League or European Cups and lost them: Atletico Madrid, uh, Stade de Reims, and Valencia. Uh, Dutchmen that have got Premier League goals or assists this season: Nathan Ake. Daryl Janmat, Patrick Van Arnholt. I thought Van Arnholt was an easy mm. one. Um, yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> so, you got two, which actually I was worried you might have got a big fat zero. Four is a fantastic score, yeah, game, but this week's winner, John, I think that is your best ever five. It is. Congratulations. Um, we'll do the tiebreaker. What is the capacity of Adams Park, where Norwich City are currently 4 2 up? 13,000. I'm going to say 12,999. <laughs> Darren? 40. You've gone the wrong way. It's 10,137 uh, or 9,535 because both of those are on Wikipedia. So choose what you want. Um, that all leaves me to say uh, I've been Tom and I've really enjoyed your company. Thank you very much, Lorne. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Cheers, It's Dan. been a pleasure. You're a legend. Thank you, Mr. Kenton. Thank you. We'll see you again soon. Bye bye. <laughs>